Hey guys, welcome to This Is Fine, a podcast that touches on different areas of mental health from traumas to self-improvement. And I, your currently unbothered host, unpack insights that may provide some direction as you navigate this thing we call life. So last week I got like my feet wet in self-mastery and shared what I've learned, you know, by way of the Shaolin philosophy. Um, you may know about Shaolin martial arts, you know, and it's kind of like centered around a focus on discipline, respect for yourself, for others, you know, like things like patience and being humble, even in victory. I would think I'm experienced in the discipline part, which is something that for some reason comes more naturally to me. I, I think it's because I kind of get I kind of get off on delayed gratification and discipline to me is really all about delaying the things that gratify you like in the moment on a superficial level, you know, like the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of way and finding gratification in the abstinence of pleasure, which is kind of what I talked about last week, how the desires of the senses are a hindrance to self-mastery. You know, and inside this idea of self-mastery is mental mastery. And last week, I told a story about the man who really wanted to see the view from the top of the mountain. He circled the foot of the mountain looking for his way up. What he didn't realize is that mountain was his mountain to climb. Only he can find, you know, his way up there. And in life, you, you can ask for advice, you can learn from other people, but at the end of the day, it's your life, it's your mountain. And if you want to climb it, girl, you better get to it. Put those boots on and start walking. Um, yeah, it's your mountain, you have to start at some point. And last week we touched on sensual pleasure, which is the first hindrance to self-mastery. The next, um, I think I want to try and tackle the, 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 the second and third one, which is ill will and aversion. And the third hindrance is dullness or heaviness. So I'll start with ill will and aversion. For some reason, I really love the sound of those two words, words together, ill will. I don't know, those two words just feel like they have such, such a depth behind them. It's almost like I can't explain it, but maybe it'll come out as you know as the the show progresses so describing ill will is a like a specific state of mind that i think arises from negative emotions like ill will is in a way animosity it's it's bitterness and to be honest with you as i always try to be on the show i think i have <laughs> good experience with harboring ill will um and I kind I kind of feel like out of the sister animosity and the brother bitterness I'm more acquainted with bitterness right now in this moment it's hard to conjure up a memory where I can extract a story you know a memory of bitterness that doesn't make or or doesn't allow my ego out of the gates and take control of this memory and direct a story like a drama in which I am the victim and and someone did this great horrible awful thing to me you know in this drama that I, I would be this lead character that 
essentially doesn't develop, if you know what I mean. The lead character sets out to climb this mountain, but the director just shoots these breathtaking self-indulgent scenes of poor little Ivor just apparently trying his best and like wandering around the foot of the mountain trying to apparently find his way up, threatening to climb the mountain. But every time he does, he's faced with some unfair situation that has nothing to do with him, that has no responsibility that he can take. You know, when I can spin a good story and make myself the victim just like the next man, in fact, I think I can do it even better than some people can. But I think everyone has a degree of, of, of skill in spinning a story in which you are the victim. But at the end of the day, that also has the danger to become, to become an excuse and it can turn into a real mental block where I think you may then need professional psychological help. For me, bitterness has ruined a great friendship with um, someone I'll call Mr. Bighead. Get your mind out the gutter. Um because Mr. Bighead, literally, like, his head was a little bit on the bigger side. Um, not poking fun at his physicality. It just was what it... It just is what it is. But more importantly, his brain and his his in, in, his intellect, his mouth, his, his way of expressing himself matched that um, big head. <laughs> he was a little bit narcissistic, but um, extremely intelligent. Um, and I'm not throwing shade. He was he just had a fiery personality and like a lot of intelligence to back it up. And we clicked on that intellectual level, even though, you know, I, th- I kind of feel he was I've, I felt insecure in a little way because he was a lot more like intelligent and educated than I am. But I also know that education doesn't equate to intelligence. And before anyone asks, there was nothing romantic going on between us because as far as I know, he's straight um, or it just I assumed that he was straight. And um, I was not done bedazzling the stunning gag inducing closet that I wanted to come out of. But we had one of the most open connections that I've ever had. I mean, apart from me not coming out, but I'm pretty sure he knew Um but we had one of the most open connections that I've ever had with someone. And he's a big reason that I have this kind of metacognitive analytical thinking skill because he's the person that introduced me to Eckhart Tolle like 10 years ago. Now, Mr. Bighead used his brains and his skill and, and he started a business and I was working my way up to join him and help him build his business and become a partner, like do things together. And because he saw the potential and he saw my skill. And then along the line, he chose someone else. And um, and this is the part that I hate telling, that I get a little bit weary of and uncomfortable was of because I kind of feel like I'm playing the victim. He chose someone else and he didn't communicate that, like life happened things happened that way and from my perspective it was hurtful I was hurt but I got over it or so I thought and and things were fine but as time went on I realized in hindsight that I was harboring bitterness I was harboring that hurt and it just transforms into bitterness it started to grow and grow and as it grew, I spoke to him less and less, and he got busier and busier, and and my bitterness 
festered and, and grew to the point where I found myself wishing that he fails at his business. Like, what's that about? It's ill will. That, like, I was hoping that he, that all the hard work he put in would just crumble. You know, and even saying that now, like admitting that, just really conjures up a kind of strange, uncomfortable, like, taste in my mouth, sort of like, um, like the bitter medicine you used to get as a kid, and it left this, I would almost say, like, specific liquid, slightly coppery aftertaste in your mouth. But, you know, to get better, we need that bitter medicine. <laughs> it's just that the bitterness had become ill will. I was ill in a way, and I needed that lesson. I needed that medicine because I... Because if I had thought to communicate how I felt, I wouldn't be so out of communication with him now. So the question that may come up for you is like, have you tried like sending him an email or text? Have you tried communicating? And yes, I have tried numerous times over the years, um, but there has been no response. Uh, and at some point I stopped trying because I kind of think that um, me holding on to that bitterness and resentment and all the other things has, um, I guess, hurt him because, well, I didn't communicate that and, and, my, and there was no reason for cutting him off. So I guess that's my cross to bear, right? Or the devil that has to dance on my back. But holding on to that bitterness, that resentment and, and all those other things, that ill will is something that has hindered my journey. And see, that, that right there, you know, this is why I fucking love talking about this kind of stuff. Here I am unpacking bitterness, thinking that this is going to go a certain way, and then like a revelation drops. You know, I just got it. The, communi the, the communication was simply one part of the lesson. But the other side of this lesson is that I wasn't able to start on my journey. I wasn't able to climb... Um, the mountain because I saw the path he was climbing and I wanted to follow in those footsteps. I wanted to do it to do it his way instead of my own. I wanted to climb my mountain, but in his way, if that makes sense. I, I never thought of that. See, leave your ego at the door. Like I did when I said that I don't want to like frame myself as the victim here. If you if you don't check your ego at the door along with your coat, honey, she's going to steal the whole show and you're going to leave in a huff without even experiencing the main event. Is there a bitterness you're holding on to that is hindering you from becoming more of who you believe you are? Because there is always going to be a million fucking reasons why you can't do something. And they seem so overwhelming, so real and so defeating because they like repeat in your head. And, and the more they repeat in your head, they are echoed in, in the world and they sort of become this deafening voice about like why you can't do it. But there's always one reason, like one reason is always trying to like one up the other reason. And... It reminds me of like this amazing scene that um, from a graphic novel called The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. It's, it's a very old graphic novel and I've always known about it for years and years and years and years. Actually, like Mr. Bighead was the one that introduced me. Oh, my God. That introduced me to this um, 
graphic novel and I never read it and I've been a fan for of like Neil Gaiman for years but I never read it until recently so there's a scene where the central character called Morpheus he's um, also known as the dream or dream lord he's the lord and personification of dreams and stories all that is not reality now dream has to retrieve a helmet which is integral to his power for him to do his job from a demon called Karanzan. I think it's very hard to, to pronounce that. It's C-H-O-R-O-N-Z-O-N, Karanzan. In their scene, in their fight, they s sort of embody a creature that outsmarts the other. Just like I said, how you have... A, a a negative reason that out that 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 one ups another negative reason or a reason why you can't do do something. So in their fight, they have this they embody a creature that outsmarts the other or has the upper hand on the other, and this is a battle of intellect and wit and not a battle of like magical power and blood and actual fighting. So it starts off with um, Corans on the demon saying, "I am a dire wolf, prey stalking." Lethal Prowler, Morpheus, I am a hunter, horse-mounted, wolf-stabbing, Corinzin, I am a horsefly, horse-stinging, hunter-throwing, Morpheus, I am a spider, fly-consuming, eight-legged, Corinzin, I am a snake, spider-devouring, poison-toothed, Morpheus, I am an ox, snake-crushing, heavy-footed, Corinzin, I am anthrax, butcher-bacterium, warm-life-destroying, Morpheus, I am a world, space-floating, life-nurturing, Corinzin, I am a nova, all-exploding, planet-cremating, Morpheus, I am the universe, all-encompassing, all-life-embracing, Corinzin, I am anti-life, the beast of judgment. I am the dark at the end of everything, the end of the universes, God's worlds of everything. And what will you be then, Dream Lord? Morpheus, I am hope. Whew, that last line had me awake and thinking for... I don't know how long I didn't sleep much that night because I kept reading the graphic novel. Um, but that last meaning, I think, just put more oomph into the phrase that goes something like there's a million reasons why you can't do something. And, and, they, and most of them honestly come from inside. It seems to me that what you have to do is find your reason why you must do it. Yeah, not want to do it or should do it, but must. Like, find your must. Find it for yourself. That must has to come from you. Turn your I shoulds, your, your, your I want tos, into I musts. I should go to the gym. I want to go to the gym. Or I must go to the gym. I should eat healthy. It's not the same as I must eat healthy.
I should eat healthy is not the same as my pancreas can't regulate insulin because all those times that I said I should eat healthy or I shouldn't be having this drink, but you do it anyway, or I should be eating healthy, but you know, everything in moderation, or come on, live a little. And yeah, yes, be careful what you wish for. Be careful of what you say because words mean things. Words become things. Life is, is best explained through metaphors. Here's the thing, life happens. So that phrase, come on, live a little, and exactly that is what happened. You will live only a little. So turn your shoulds, your I want tos, into I must, and it will help fight against those those couple of repeating thoughts that hinders you on your journey to self-mastery. You know, I had planned to do, you know, into going into the third hindrance of self-mastery, but I feel like the lesson kind of just came out now, something that we can all think about. Do you harbor a, any ill will, a rejection or a dislike against like something or, or a situation or a, usually it's a person, um, you know, and this aversion, this ill will becomes a major force that prevents you or hinders your journey up the mountain. It will rain while you're climbing and you may not like rain. It's uncomfortable. It's cold. But you must carry on. If you're lucky, the rain might come while you're halfway up the mountain. And for, for like someone who has an intersectional identity, that rain can be a torrential thunderstorm the minute they step out of their house. Like I said, that though I hadn't planned to end it here, I guess today's insight is turn your I wants, your I shoulds, into I must. You know, like think of it this way. Bitterness and aversion or, or ill will and aversion are sickening twin sisters, sly of wit and they stand in your way to self-mastery. Arm yourself with your own I must reason. I must da 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 because. And you may find that ill will and aversion stand down without a fight once you find your I must. Thank you everyone so much for listening. I hope that you learned something out of that. I think I'm um, going to keep doing these episodes where the preparation is minimal, but there's a central idea that I want to share or talk about. And the memories and stories that come are, are rooted in the moment. You know, and, and in the spirit of that, I think my mental health advice is simply this. If there is something you want or think you should do to improve your life, change your word use. That's right. Just just think about changing your vo vocabulary around the way you talk about things. Flip the script, girl. Like, say, I must. Say simply that. Don't say it to other people. Don't share it with other people. Say it to yourself, and you will find that pretty soon you actually start taking action. And then other people can see the change. You won't have to tell them about it. So from the bottom of my rainbow colored heart, I appreciate you listening. And if you have a question, advice, or a story you want to share on the show, shoot me an email to fineisthis at gmail.com. That is fineisthis at gmail.com. And your message may just be read on the show. 
If you like this episode, give it a five-star review. It really, really helps me and it gives me a little bit of external validation, which I think is healthy. So until next time, drink your water, okay? Make your bed. And you know that one spot you have in your home, you know, where you pile up your clothes like it's a chair or on your bed or somewhere? I know you know what I'm talking about. Go and put those away. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye.